0: Welcome to the PACT Podcast, where we discuss matters of Christian living and Christian discipleship for Christian community. PACT stands for Prayer, Accountability, Confidentiality, and Truth, Essentials for Doing Life Together in the Local Church. I'm your co-host, Tim Harvey, alongside co-host Adam Rogers and Jason Burnett. Now, on to the PACT. PACT.
1: Welcome back to the Pack Podcast. Today we're dealing with another listener suggestion. Uh, did the devil make me do it? Yes, you heard the question correctly. Uh, basically, the listener has uh, heard, like many of us uh, have heard, uh, people blame shift the devil for their sinful actions or uh, whatever it is that they've got been caught doing. And so uh, I, this is a, one of those issues that I think We've all heard, maybe accidentally have used it, uh, but we've been preaching through uh, the book of Genesis here at Bethlehem uh, for the last couple of months now, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, we are uh, in chapter four, <laughs> so we're moving We're moving pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but Tim, uh, you preached a sermon just a couple of weeks ago on the fall, Genesis 3, and I think that's where we need to begin. So help us uh, think about this uh, from the perspective of the fall. Did the devil make Adam and Eve sin?
0: Yeah, well yeah i'll answer that in the kind of the way i did that morning but before i do that i think maybe we should say like why does this question come up in the first place mm. you know what about our experience as people makes that question come up did the devil make me do it i've been listening again to a book by john piper the legacy of sovereign joy and he talks about saint augustine in that book and uh how for years augustine Highly intellectual could think through anything you know still regarded as one of the giants so the probably probably most people would say the most influential thinker in Christian history mm-hmm. after the Bible mm-hmm. you know and but this this man with a huge thought capacity, able to reason through things, could not um, overcome his own sexual appetite. So he came to a point in his life where he recognized that no matter what he thought through, what kind of morality he was able to develop in his mind, his body wanted things that were irrational, you know <laughs> that mm. he he was acting in ways uh with his body that didn't make sense to his mind mm. and and I think that's where this question comes from. There are people who who uh know why they shouldn't do things and then they still find themselves doing them anyway even though they know why they shouldn't and the question goes well maybe the devil made me do it because if i was just thinking through this myself surely i wouldn't have come to this conclusion you know mm-hmm. yeah. and so so we're really getting a question about the nature of sin the nature of humanity and why it is that we are made or not made god didn't make us this way but why it is that we are the way we are uh, in our nature at that, that first temptation, of course, the serpent came into the garden and and asked these questions of Eve about really causing her to question the Word of God and God's own trustworthiness in order to bring her to the conclusion that she knew better than God did mm-hmm. about what was right and what was wrong. Uh, but as we see Adam and Eve eating the fruit, their response then is to hide from God Uh, to cover themselves, they're in shame, and rather than coming to God humbly, both Adam's response and Eve's response is to blame. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adam blames Eve and God, Eve because she's the one who gave him the fruit, and God because he's the one who gave him Eve, and Eve is the one who blames the serpent. Uh, The serpent uh, deceived me and I ate of it. And of course, both of those... Those bl- that blame shifting from Adam and Eve are wrong. Uh, God is not responsible for our sin. Our fellow man, or you know, whether it be uh, another person in general, a friend, coworker, or a spouse, are not responsible for our sin. And the devil is not responsible for our sin. Ultimately, even as temptation comes.
1: Yeah. So you would say then um, others. Uh, can certainly be the means of temptation but they can't be blamed for our actions right right? so uh, so let's talk about temptation um, and and maybe give that a little bit more of a nuanced definition because I think that there's plenty of Christians who would think that temptation is sin okay Mm -hmm. they would equate those two things together. But Jason, is that quite right? That temptation is sin?
2: No, temptation is not sin in itself. No, it's not. Uh, So Satan, when you think about what happened in the garden and whenever, whenever Satan uh, tells Eve, did God really say not to do, you know, eat of that tree. Um, And as she is, as he is saying that to her, there's, she has not sinned. And then whenever, uh, um, whenever he says, you know, God's a liar, um, you're not going to die. And is he's you know she's hearing that okay I'm not going to die if I do there's she hasn't sinned it's not until she is disobeyed um, mm-hmm. and then where she has mm. sinned so um, while we're tempted uh, I'm trying to think of a um, of a real life scenario that we might go through uh, let's just say it might be uh, a lustful thought let's say that you're watching television and there may be a person on television for whom uh, you, you see that person and maybe there's some, some – you feel the temptation to lust after them. That in itself is not sin. Uh, but if you embrace that temptation and begin to fantasize and then lust after them, then you would be – Sinning against mm. the Lord, uh, so so some of our uh, listeners out there, and I'm so glad you asked that question, Adam, because I've struggled with this personally. Mm. Um, you know, I have a can be tempted, and, and I still I feel dirty because of that temptation. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I haven't, um, and sometimes I, I do fall to sin. But when I don't, sometimes I still beat myself up. Yeah, um, and and that's because I have not uh, had a clear view of what temptation is and what sin is so i think it's a really helpful well we I need mean,
0: the the probably the most easy way to recognize that there is a difference is that jesus was tempted. that's exactly Amen. correct you yes. know uh he started his ministry but he was baptized and then he was tempted mm-hmm. for yes. 40, 40 days and uh even to the extent that uh, the word tells us that he was tempted as we are in every way yes. yeah that's right you know, I mean, imagine Hebrews that four yep uh, yet without sin. Yes. So clearly there is a mm-hmm. distinction
1: there. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that, because I, I do the same thing. I, you know, uh, if I'm facing temptation and don't give in, technically I should be thankful that I haven't, mm-hmm. and I should be uh, joyful that God's delivered me from a temptation uh, through the Holy Spirit, but... I instead think I can't believe I thought about that again. Yeah, you know, like and so, so which is helpful to bring to, to Jesus and why it was necessary that He be tempted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is our redeemer; He redeems not our yeah. only our hearts, but our minds, our bodies, our our whole self. So, so that's really helpful. So, what we say then that temptation is those things which are leading our. Leading us to a potential sin uh, But they're, they're not sinning of themselves Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that's, that's That's helpful, so when it comes then Well here's maybe one other thing with the temptation How do we respond to it? Uh, how do we proactively respond Positively uh, to temptation? We all know that temptation can lead To the inevitable fall of Falling into whatever that thing is, that particular Sin, but what do we do that's proactive um, In response to Temptation?
2: I think I think of Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Mm. I think about the passage, you know, how can a man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? With mm. my whole heart I have sought you. Uh, please do not let me wander from your commands. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I think walking with the Lord and being obedient to him and finding him to be your ultimate in joy and treasure and – Loving him and in that personal, intimate, beautiful relationship can help us fight against sin mm. because when the temptation comes, we can know that whatever temptation is coming for our pleasure is nothing in comparison to the pleasure that we have mm. in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's
0: it. We were talking about Augustine just a minute ago, or Augustine, however you yeah. want to say it. Yeah, whichever. Um, that's where he came after all those years of succumbing to sexual temptation and not even being able to make sense of it in his mind ultimately he recognized he called Christ his sovereign joy amen which is where piper gets the <laughs> yeah. the title of the book uh Christ himself and his the joy and the pleasure that he received in Jesus himself is the only way to overcome lesser pleasures, lesser joys so
2: so in my past, uh, there is a, quite a bit of, of sexual sin before I was saved. <clears throat> and so um, there was drug addiction, there was alcoholism, um, greed as a young man, but sexual sin was a vice and and so over the years after after I was saved, I would still struggle with those things, you know, and these temptations we're talking about, and and there were different ways that I would try to fight them. You know, I was reading scripture, you know, um, but it really wasn't until I was introduced to um, John Piper. I know we talk about him quite a bit on our podcast, and when I read Desiring God, uh, which are the meditations of Christian hedonism, um, and and what he means by hedonism is not what. Mean meaning secular, it is finding your ultimate joy and satisfaction in Christ. And once I understood that I'm made for to to enjoy God, and I could, that is where I was able to begin to fight. Yeah, yeah. That is where, and I I didn't know that about Augustine. Um, and and but I understand that Mm -hmm. because the joy in Jesus and walking with Him is just makes everything else look just irrational you know mm-hmm. and i'm not perfect at it so i don't, I don't want to make yeah. that claim or anyone to think that but but that's that's been the war that i have fought that has been a blessing mm. to me yeah.
1: yeah that's good uh one thing you know you mentioned prayer i think about Rome, uh not romans uh ephesians chapter six um, there at the end where Paul's talking about putting on the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil and resist the devil and even using the shield of faith to quench his fiery darts and uh, that sort of language. But the way that Paul ends that is that he, he after gives that that picture of, of you know, the Christian in their full armor, he says, "...with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit with this in view." You know, and I think that that's kind of a bridge between what he's about to say, but I think it's also going back to that warring that we do have against and uh, mm-hmm. stroke against the devil. So, w- with that being said, um, it's not that the devil's out of the picture, right? When we mm-hmm. address this question, but it's not likely the case that it's his fault. So let's let's kind of maybe think about that for a minute. We all blame shift. So, what is it about? owning our sin, and by owning I mean uh, confessing that we are culpable, that we have done a thing. What does the Scripture teach us about that, about owning up to our our actions and confessing them to God?
0: Confession doesn't undo sin, obviously, but it does reverse the mindset that led to sin. Mm. Because sin, remember going back to the garden, is you know better than god does god's wrong you're right that's sort of the essence of all sin really is that we know better than god about mm. our pleasures about what's right about what's wrong the essence of confession is to reverse that equation mm. i'm one i'm wrong about this mm-hmm. and god you're right mm. so it doesn't undo the sin but it does un, it does reverse the mindset mm. that led to sin and so we're confessing our own um uh, wrongness in confessing that God is right in that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. so let's go back to that first part then. Um, the person who says the devil made me do it. Um, why Why do we have such – or not just the person, we ourselves. Why do we have such a hard time confessing that it is me that, that's the problem?
0: Well, because why is it, that? I think it's because it's that <laughs> – that response to sin is welded to the mindset of sin. Mm-hmm. If my if I'm starting with the, the mentality that I'm right, mm-hmm. you have to totally you have to break away and you have to break out of that mold to come to the point to say I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. it the the sin nature itself is what brings us not only to sinning but to the sinful response to sin, yeah. which is to hide. Which is to blame shift and to not own it
2: ourselves. It's, you know,
1: it's Genesis three in our everyday yes, ex, our absolutely. everyday living. Yeah. yeah, that's very helpful, Jason. Any any other thoughts?
2: I was thinking about First Corinthians ten thirteen hmm. as we were talking about temptation, and I may not be able to quote that word for word, but paraphrasing that, we're all going to be tempted, uh, but the Scripture says that God will um, always be faithful hmm. and provide a way of escape so that we may be able to bear it. And so, whenever we're tempted, there's all God is not going to make it where you have to sin. Mm. Uh, no, He is a good. He's good and provides us with a way not to sin. What I found out in my own life is sometimes God will make that way out, but I don't want that way out. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I want my own way, right? You know. So, for example, if uh when it comes to your phone, you know, if you're addicted to your phone or Someone is addicted to pornography, and this is the phone. The phone is the primary use of it, and and let's just say, you know, hypothetically that the way that God gives you out is, we well, don't have a phone. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of folks that won't take that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's just an example, I think, of, of a lot of things that I've experienced and heard from others, where there is a way. We're just not willing. Sometimes to the ways really, in our minds, seems
0: really. It could seem extreme. Could stream. It, but could but extreme Jesus it. talks about that. How important it is to take those extreme measures. Like you know, if your eyes causing you to sin, <laughs> yeah. gouge
2: that thing out. That's right. You know, if your arms causing you to sin, cut it off. Yeah. I found this a lot in youth ministry. Uh, when we were doing youth ministry, you know, we had a lot of uh, students who would struggle with identity issues because of social media, and so whenever we would. Uh, talk with them, we would try to help them understand where their identity is you know, in Christ if they were believers, if not, where it could be if they put their faith in Christ. But also uh, being um, disciplined enough to not engage in social media. Maybe you're just not able to do that. Maybe mm-hmm. you're just not at a point of maturity where you could do that. And I would say probably nine times out of ten, students were not willing to give that up. Yeah the way out was to just get off of it mm-hmm. but they wanted that pleasure from that social media affirming their look or how they feel about themselves wanting the likes wanting the comments were such an addiction to that that they just weren't willing to give it up so i say all that to say 1st corinthians 10:13 is a wonderful promise that we have that god has given us and we just need to ask ourselves a couple questions mm-hmm. what's the way out and <laughs> I hope that I would say maybe I'm I willing to take it Mm. and we should be willing to take it for our own good and joy and for God's glory.
1: Yeah. um, I had a question, but then the question led me to remember that we've actually done an episode uh, that I'll point you back to. Actually it was our seventh episode. so a long, long time ago um, on addiction. Uh, Mm. We, we addressed this. uh, Dr. Larry Purcell was with us on that particular episode uh, I believe Ian was with us as well, maybe. Mm. And, uh, and we kind of talked about some of those things when it comes to addiction because addiction is a, a, a difficult thing. Um, ad- I think addiction is also one of those areas that it takes a person. Um, uh, it takes a, a, a breaking down of their self righteousness, their self will mm. to say, I do have an, an issue. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, because of the effects of sin, we should not deny that there's now a biochemistry effect that's happened as well. Yeah. The biochemistry effect is not the ultimate culprit, but it's certainly not helpful mm. uh, at all. So m- we might not get into that very far. Uh, just point you back to epo- episode seven. Um, there, I think it was labeled addiction, uh, simply or, or something to that effect. But uh, check that out. My, so my final question, then, maybe on the uh, more a little bit more, um pastoral guidance kind of question, it's easy to say the devil made me do it because the devil's somewhere else, right? And he's this big bad guy, boogeyman kind of thing that we can blame. Mm -hmm. He is evil through and through and we can blame him and it makes for a great scapegoat. But what do we tell people who are are dealing with humans that they consider to be that devil? So when someone is blaming another person for their sin, Mm -hmm. how do we pastorally help that person e e and let's just assume that it is the case that that person has sinned against them i mean that mm-hmm. that that can happen it happens all the time but how do we help a person um from the christian worldview from the gospel specifically mm-hmm. deal with that when it's someone tangible someone in the family someone in the church someone at work uh that they are blaming for their own actions how do yeah. we how do we help them yeah uh we
2: we all Probably say or have said, and our listeners, I'm sure, would agree with this: that when something happens to us, what uh, we may say, "Well, you're making me angry," mm. or "You're making me this," uh, and so we're we're essentially blaming that other person for what we are experiencing, mm. and we are essentially believing a lie when that happens, mm-hmm. and we're doing exactly what Adam and Eve did mm-hmm. in the garden. No one makes. You do anything. If somebody uh, insults me and I get, um, you know, just just belligerent about it, mm-hmm. um, I'm the one who's chosen to respond that mm-hmm. way. That person doesn't have a gun to my head and telling me you better be belligerent right now. No, I'm choosing to do that in my sinful flesh. I'm not responding according to the Spirit and how the Spirit would want me to respond. I'm choosing to respond according to my flesh, and so I think this is pastorally helpful as it relates to marriages as Mm. it relates to you know i'm glad you brought that up adam i think this is wonderful to talk about uh, mom and dad you Mm. know uh parenting we all say that you're making me and that is just a lie (laughs) we're actually believing a lie from satan when we say that Mm. Uh, so instead of reacting emotionally and irrationally and biblically we need to calm down and think about okay how am i going to respond to this situation am i going to respond to it as Satan is tempting in this moment, or my flesh is wanting me to to respond, or am I going to respond to it according to the scripture and according to the Spirit? Or as James chapter one says, um, you know, we're quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really good. That's good. All right. Any any other thoughts? Final thoughts, guys. All right. Any so. packed picks or any uh, particular things you would think would be helpful to this conversation?
2: When it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, Dr. Chuck Lawless has written several resources mm. on that. And so if you're interested in learn more about spiritual warfare, I'd encourage you just to Google. Dr. Lawless has several works. He actually has a workbook on the armor of God, uh, mm-hmm. like a Bible study workbook that mm-hmm. you would walk through in several weeks long. Uh, I remember doing that in one of his classes. But it, um, anyone, it'd be great for anybody, students, adults. Uh, that was really helpful about how to fight in spiritual warfare. Very good. I guess since I've mentioned it
0: already a couple times, I should mention the (laughs) legacy of Sovereign Joy. It's not really about did the devil made me do it, but there's some helpful things in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, great conversation. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Of course, like we said in the beginning, this was a listener-suggested question, and – We do this podcast primarily for you, although secondarily we certainly enjoy it. Uh, But if you have questions that you would like to to ask and for us to consider, please do. Uh, We always enjoy um, hearing from you. Uh, There's multiple ways you can contact us, our Facebook page and other things, email. Uh, So we look forward to hearing your questions and look forward to being with you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to The Pact Podcast. Weekly, we get together to think out loud, discussing ethics, apologetics, theology, and how to apply God's Word to our everyday lives. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. For more information about our podcast, to connect with us or our church families, visit thepact.podbean.com. We pray you've been encouraged today and that you'll take the pact with a group of close believers pursuing prayer, accountability, confidentiality, and truth.